Welcome back. This is episode 114 of Diferente. Hey you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. What are you doing with this podcast? Are you sharing it with your friends? Because one of the best ways to let somebody know that you care about them is by sharing thought-inspiring content with them. Like this podcast, where we share stories and experiences that expose us to different perspectives. Here are three easy ways to share the show. You can take a screenshot of this episode and post it on social media, text it directly to anyone in your contact list, or you can also send them the link to our website, diferentepodcast.com. Voila! Super simple. If you like Diferente, the best way to support us is by sharing it, sharing it, and sharing it some more. Now let's get on with the show. Perseverance is failing 19 times and succeeding the 20th. That's a quote from actor Julie Andrews. You know, it's easier to hide behind an action for fear of failing or even just the fear of being embarrassed when you fail. But without the experience of failing and having the courage to get up again, we would never accomplish anything past ordinary. Remember what I said on episode 101? I said that this show is for people who want to make an impact. And when you decide to make an impact, guess what happens? You must be prepared to face trying times. And that's where perseverance comes in. My guest this episode is Christian Heavens, a guy who embodies the meaning of perseverance. So who is Christian? Christian is a professional golfer who has spent the greater part of his 20s on a roller coaster ride of wins and losses as he continues his journey to earn the chance to play on the PGA Tour. He's one of the nicest, most genuine people out there, and I'm so excited to share his story with you because, trust me, we can all learn from Christian's perspective and the lessons that have shaped the guy he is today. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Diferente. My name is Maribel Quesada-Smith. I'm an expert at questioning everything who wants to bring more color into your life. I'll be coming to you every week with a little humor and a mountain of passion to share with you experiences and lessons in life, culture, creativity, and business that will inspire all of us to explore different perspectives. Don't be surprised if you find yourself motivated to shake things up. That's known to be a side effect of the Diferente life, and it's contagious. Now let's get to it. Christian, welcome to the show. I am so happy to finally have you on Diferente. Yeah, it's a great time. I mean, I'm excited. We've talked about it for a while. And to do something different and bring it to L.A. is definitely a beautiful place. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's exciting to actually take the show on the road. No pun intended. <laughs> we brought the studio to L.A. And now we get to meet up right here. So I want to start with your story. I know you know the show. So we always start with our guest backstory. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how your childhood took you to where you are today. Yeah, so I'm from East St. Louis, Illinois, which a lot of people think since St. Louis is in Missouri, it's uh, I'm in Missouri, but right across the river in Illinois, and that's pretty much where I was raised. You know, I grew up playing basketball, football, golf, but golf ended up really taking a, a passion and putting up, having a great spot in my heart. And from there, you know, I got an opportunity to be part of the first T program, Travel the world playing golf, meeting a lot of friends that I still talk to today, and end up going to Georgetown College. I uh, had a great time there. I was a first T scholar at Georgetown College in Kentucky. And, you know, now just pursuing my dream. You know, it's been a long dream. I've been professional at a, as golf since graduating college. And now it's been about seven years on that journey. So still going, though. 
So let's take it back a little bit to the time when you first fell in love with golf. Tell me about why you wanted to pursue golf in your college career and then as a professional. The love started really was with my grandfather. So I didn't have my dad early on in life. And my grandfather was my role, my father figure in life. And it was just always fun to go out and hang out with him and the boys after school um, or the days when they were watching me while my mom was at work and just playing golf with him and the fellas. Um, that was just always fun to me, especially as, a, as an only child, just to see the guys hang out and talk and talk trash. That's really where the love started. And you mentioned that you were kind of raised by your grandfather in a way. I mean, your mom and your grandfather. Can you talk a little bit about how your relationship worked and what the game of golf meant to you guys? My grandfather was so excited to get me in the game of golf because he tried with so many other people in my family. So my grandfather finally got one of the grandkids, which was myself, that he could finally take under his wing and gravitated to the game that he loved. And he just loved it so much that he can share that with me because he's never really had a chance to share that with anybody. Like, like I said, myself and him are the only people that play golf in my family. So just me being able to have that time with my grandfather was huge. And from him, you know, and the guys that I grew up playing with, I developed so much of my personality from them and memories as a child. So golf's really played a big part of who I am today. Is that why you always do those videos on Tuesday? You do this really cool Golf Tip Tuesday yeah. video, and it's kind of geared towards the youth, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Golf Tip Tuesday is just a unique way to bring the game of golf to people that really look like me or have the same interests and can relate more to me, or I can relate more to them. Golf has always been kind of the same over and over. It doesn't really change its approach to appealing to different people. And from that, you know, just me being with um, growing up in a type of in an urban golf community, I know what, what people gravitate to, what really reaches them. And just to show my personality. And that's what I wanted to do. And how have the Golf Tip Tuesday videos affected the youth of today? Oh, it's so fun when I get a direct message from a kid's father who actually said, hey, man, that Golf Tip Tuesday really helped my son get out of the bunkers. He just got on the high school golf team as a freshman. And just hearing simple stories like that, it's all worth it, even if it's you're only reaching out to a couple of people here and there. But as long as you know that you're helping somebody, and I enjoy doing it, so I love it. And bringing in front of the camera is not necessarily new to you because you were on the Golf Channel's Big Break how many years ago? Ah, that's three or four years ago. Time's flying, but yeah, <laughs> that was a big experience for me being on TV. And not just a camera. When we were on the Big Break, they would have at least 30 cameras around you from GoPros to the big studio cameras. That was fun. That was a good time. What did you learn from that opportunity? You know, I learned that even if I fail at the biggest stage, I'm going to be okay. And I also learned that you don't really lose. It's a great learning opportunity. And a lot of great people, people in general, I guess, successful people, they either win or they learn. They don't lose. So it was just a great opportunity for me to learn more about myself, how I handle pressure, how I handle certain situations, and move on from there and get better. Just accept it as a loss and then learn from it, then it would officially be a loss. But I didn't really lose. I, I learned. And from that show, you know, I was talking about the quote-unquote failure perceived by many people. It wasn't the end. You know, I got a lot of laughs and it was embarrassing a lot in front of a lot of people. But... I just had to learn from that and use it as a way to make me better and keep going. 
Can we talk a little bit about what you just said about embarrassment? Because I think that a lot of people are afraid to pursue their dreams and chase after their goals because they don't want to be embarrassed. Right. Like when you put it out there in the world, let's say I want to be a professional athlete or I want to be a singer or I want to be an, a business owner, whatever you put out into the world and you tell people about, it's hard to say that. It's hard to throw it out there and make people aware of your dreams and your innermost desires because you're afraid of being embarrassed if you fail. Right. And you know, the thing that we have to be aware of nowadays is that we've almost, I think, through social media made failure not really normal or common or acceptable because we go through it all all day. Like, you know, you don't wake up on the right side of the bed every day. Sometimes you wake up and stub your toe. You don't talk about the simple little failures or whatever on Instagram or Snapchat. You show like the perfect lighting and everywhere. But failure is normal and it's almost necessary to continue to grow. So the embarrassment that just comes from people being, you can't think about what other people are going to think. You have to stay on your own path and take your opportunities as they come. Yeah. Embarrassment can be very detrimental to your growth, I think, as a human being or as a professional. Can you remember a time where you perhaps have been embarrassed or felt that embarrassment from doing something that you tried and maybe not necessarily won or failed at? Yeah. I mean, there's been thousands and thousands of opportunities like that as far, even from, you know, the show where I was embarrassed that I've had millions of people look at me just perform so poorly in a high pressure situation. Um, a lot of opportunities in golf. I really take a lot of pride in that. And, and the more successful you become in golf, the more eyeballs you're going to have on you. So those failures are maximized more so. Those lessons are maximized so much. And I've had several of those in tournaments from junior golf days. But then they can even go to, you know, being with your buddies and you're going to talk to a girl in like middle school or something. And if she turns you down, that's a embarrassing moment. We have these embarrassing moments and they're okay. You just have to know that like at the end of the day, you still made it. You're still alive. And that's the worst thing that can happen is that you just got turned down or you failed and nothing's wrong with that. Explain the ups and downs of chasing your dream. Well, the ups and downs again are the lessons you learn, the losses, I guess some people would say, but we're going to just say lessons. You have so many failures in golf. You almost have to get used to it. You can't let it beat you down. So you're going to have those highs and those lows, but you just have to maintain the positive, optimistic attitude. In maintaining that positive attitude, is there someone in your life who made a big difference in teaching you how to deal with the ups and downs? Yeah, I'll say it was more than someone. I talked to a lot of people and a lot of people know how influential my grandfather was in my life. He always told me that I can do it. I can beat anyone. He always told me, you know, don't quit. But then... When I got to a certain level in my career, I had to start looking at people that have actually done what I wanted to do. So I started reading by autobiographies from Muhammad Ali, Kobe Bryant, Jackie Joyner Kersey, and just studying successful people. And from that, that's kind of where you start seeing common denominators. And one of the mental common denominators I saw from these people was that they were always positive. Their positive mindset, they just always find a way to be optimistic. They never let themselves get beat down too much. They never lost faith. They never lost hope, no matter what the situation is. And, you know, you start seeing successful people on TV or wherever, and you don't know their full story. You think that they had it easy from the start. But once I started reading these autobiographies, and especially with people that I could relate to, so like Jackie Jordan Kersey, she grew up in East St. Louis with my mom. And... I saw that they didn't come from all the best backgrounds. A lot of them didn't have money. Everything wasn't handed to them. 
but they kept that positive mindset. So I just learned that that was a major key. How do you stay positive? How do you remind yourself to remain in a positive frame of mind? I guess there is a trick. There are certain things that you need to help remind you why you're doing what you're doing, why you started. Because sometimes when things get tough, you start to forget what initially got you into it and lose that fire. So you have to have a vision, um, a lot of vision boards, goals, something that you can see physically, because a lot of times mentally it can become vague. The pain of going through it can kind of take away from the vision in your mind. And once you get back to it and actually touch it a little more, that helps you. You always have to have goals written. That's one of the things that I've read. A lot of the successful people are goal-oriented. That was a huge thing for me that I learned my junior year in high school was how to set goals properly and also set goal ladders. So the main thing that the first T taught me was that when you set goals, always set them positive. I wouldn't set a goal that says, don't three-putt. The goal is to have a two-putt or better. And that just makes the world a difference in your mindset as far as being positive and keep going. How do you correlate golf to real life? Because I know that we talk about this all the time in my family as well with my husband. Golf mirrors real life. Explain that a little bit. What does that mean to you? Yeah, golf's one of those unique sports, especially being an individual sports that you face so many obstacles and opportunities in the game of golf. That in golf, you can't pass on the moment. Like you have to take that moment head on. You can't pass someone to shoot or it's not if you fail, it's not somebody else's fault because they didn't catch it. You have to own it. And I think that's really big in life. Like you have to own the moments, own the opportunities, own the failures. And a lot of the situations that you'll find on the golf course pretty much relate to life. You know, you start off on the golf course and you'll have a bogey on the first hole. You have to control your mindset from then on that you're not going to let that bogey destroy the rest of your round. You're going to be positive, focus on what you can control the next hole and take it one step at a time to get back. If you're in the workplace, if you get a new job and people aren't really liking you the first week or so, you're not going to let that change your whole attitude towards the job for the rest of your career. You just have to focus on what you can control and keep going and take it one step at a time. So I think that's one of the many lessons that I've learned through golf that kind of translates into life. And let's talk about how your family feels about your career. So you have chosen to pursue professional golf full-time, which is no easy task. (laughs) (laughs) How does your family feel about your dream career? I'll be honest with you, and I understand where they're coming from. They weren't the most positive about it. There's no security in it. And that's what they're all about. Like my grandfather and my grandmother, they worked three jobs, getting pensions and they, they their social security. They were all about security. And I understand that. They, and they want me to be secure. They, they're worried about me traveling the world, not knowing where I'm going to make my next paycheck, um, not knowing where I'm going to sleep the next week. And they love me and they worry about that. They want me to be more secure. But I'm young. I just love chasing my dream. So I'm looking more for opportunity than security. And that's fine. They, they don't have the vision I have. God didn't give them that vision. I don't expect them to have that vision, but I just have to stay positive and I just need to trust my own vision. What does it feel like to not have stability day in and day out? It doesn't feel good at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's exhilarating and it's fun. It has its moments, I guess. It's kind of like the gamblers, how they're so excited. They live and die by every moment. Part of that is good, but it's stressful. But, you know, stress, they say, you know, pressure, bust pipes, or it can create diamonds too. So 
I just love the opportunity and owning each moment to try to have a moment that'll change my life forever. I'm just looking for those moments. I think it's something to wake up to and live for and work towards every day. Take me through a day in the life of Christian Heavens as a professional golfer. Yeah, so my typical days when I'm at home, I, I'm an early riser. I've always been that way. So I wake up about 5 o'clock, 5.15, and I'm in the gym right around 5.45, 6 o'clock for a little over an hour. And then I'll come home. And whenever I'm in town in St. Louis, I help with my, my great-grandmother. So I'll make her breakfast. And I try to get back out to the course around 8 o'clock. From there, you know, now that I'm getting older, I've learned that it's more quality over quantity. So I don't have to be out there six, seven, eight hours a day. And it's it's so hot in St. Louis anyway. So you try to get done by one o'clock. And from there, you know, I'm reading. Like I said, I just I really love reading and relaxing. <laughs> That's about it because you're so tired and so worn out. You don't want golf to take control of everything. So you need to put time for your family, um, other opportunities. And that leaves plenty of time to kind of have a balanced life. That's about it for me. And I'm going back to sleep pretty early, getting ready for the next day. How do you make it work for you? How do you plan your schedule around golf, tournaments? How do you travel? How do you get money to play in these tournaments? I don't know. I just make it work. I just do what I can. I look at tournaments online. We pretty much manage our own schedules. So there's different tournaments around the country that you can play, different cities. And whatever I can afford, if I have a friend that stays in this city and there's a tournament, I'll make a call. Hey, can I get a couch? I'll be in town for this amount of days. And I just make it happen. I just get by with what I can, try to make it to the next opportunity. If I take advantage of it, great. That changes my opportunities and makes it easier for me to play in bigger tournaments the next week. If not, let's scrape around, see what we got. Let's check our money bag and see how many nickels we get for the next one. They say that Tiger Woods travels with his own mattress and you're over here sleeping on people's couches. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> quite the contrast. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that life yet. I can only dream of it, but I'm, a, I'm very comfortable on the couch. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody out there listening ever gets a call from Christian Heavens, let him stay on your couch. Right. Or if you know there's a tournament in town and you have a couch, let me know and I'll be <laughs> more than happy to come out that way. <laughs> it could be a chase lounge. Right. <laughs> He's not picky. <laughs> Obviously, part of being a professional athlete includes dealing with letting your body heal and sometimes, unfortunately, injuries. Have you had any injuries that have set you back and how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's funny that I'm, I'm talking about this because I, I have been struggling with my back lately and that may be because of the number of couches I've slept on. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. I'm still going through the process of balancing rest and, and work. And I'm starting to find out that rest is as important or maybe even more important than the work that you put in, especially nowadays with social media as well. I'm bashing social media, even though I love it. It's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, it's a love-hate relationship. And, you know, they always talk about just grind, 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 work hard, no sleep, all this. I haven't found that to be a key or a recipe to success. Well, I found that to do more harm than good. And I'm learning that. You really got to rest. You got to listen to your body when you're injured and it's your body's trying to tell you something. You can't fight it. I know there's certain times like now that I'm kind of going through where you're going to, you just can't take off, but you just got to take it easy and then quickly get to resting as soon as you can. You just wrapped up a tournament in LA. Yes. Which yes. is why we're here. That's and right. And another one, another one coming up this weekend. It's a championship for the Advocates Professional Golf Tour. Yeah, Advocates Tour. 
that's it. Advocates Pro Golf Tour out here in LA. We're out here. Beautiful city. I'm excited. I love coming out here every year. This week, we just played a really nice golf course. Skylinks, um, short greens are perfect. Just what we love. Perfect scoring conditions. And like I was telling you, my back was finally healthy. It still hurts a little bit. So I'll say it's about 90%. Tell them what you shot. Oh, yeah. I shot 64.70. So that's my best tournament in a while. Like I said, I haven't been able to break par too much at all with my back. So to see the progress and see me be able to play more and more, more holes without back pain. I think today, like my back only hurt twice on the course. And that's a blessing. I'm so excited about that. Recently, you also played with some pretty well-known people, right? In New Jersey? Right. Yeah, got a chance to meet Anthony Anderson, Kevin Lyles. I wish more kids can see this because I talk to them all the time. And it'll change the perspective on golf being a lame person sport or being like boring. But when they see like the Anthony Andersons playing golf or just all these people in the music industry, Drake at Top Golf, Ludacris has his own golf tournament coming up pretty soon. I think that'll change the perspective of kids. If they saw that all these people at different fields that they admire and they think is really cool, they love the game of golf. And actually, they all benefit pretty much from the game of golf as far as building relationships and business. Why keep doing this? Why keep at this game that yeah, can beat you up? That's the question. <laughs> and crush you sometimes. <laughs> it's definitely putting your body through pain and suffering, but I just, the outcome and the end result is just, it's all worth it. And you have to trust that. That's part of keeping the faith and that vision. You have to see it and believe that it's all worth it. So I think, and I know that the light at the end of the tunnel is me affecting millions of people, millions of kids, making a way for my family, changing my family's legacy forever. And I think that's all worth it, me to go through a little pain, to get on the PGA Tour. I just think it's worth it. <laughs> Do you think that the African-American community should be doing more to grow the game of golf, to help guys like you? Yeah. Now, I would say to help out professionals. I really do think so. When you look at the history of golf, that's really hot. The guys that got on the PGA Tour back in the day started. I mean, at one point, there were like eight black golfers on the PGA Tour at one time. And you go further back, and the few black golfers that were on the PGA Tour, they were really sponsored by black people and celebrities. Um, Billy Eckstein, they were sponsored by Joe Lewis. So I think we really need support from our people to show that we really care, really want you out there. It's just something that's kind of fallen off lately. And why is that support so important? Because it's super expensive. Golf is just, that's what it is. And, you know, I think that's one of the tiger effects, I guess you can say, that he's brought so much business into the game of golf that everybody's just profiting off of it. The golf industry's booming and things are, the supply and demand is just skyrocketing. I mean, one golf club can cost you five to $700. And that's just a lot. Traveling around on tour, your entry fees are anywhere from $400 to $1,400. And that's just a lot of money to be, I mean, if you don't have it on your own, for sure. Christian, how many tour players are on the PGA Tour? How many golfers are on there? 125 have full status, and then there's 100 or so that have conditional status. And how many of them are of African-American descent? Two, and now we have a third coming. So we have Harold Varner and Tiger Woods. And this year, Cameron Champ just won his PGA Tour card for next year. So that we'll have three. Why is it important to mention that? So 12.5% of the U.S. population is black, but only 
two and a half percent is black on the PGA Tour. On full-time status. On full-time status, exactly. And, you know, they do such a great job of preaching diversity and inclusion that it's not showing. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is on the PGA Tour, they give opportunities almost every week to golfers. They give four to six sponsors exemptions in each tournament. The percentage of blacks and whites getting those opportunities doesn't represent what the true percentage of America is or what they claim to want. So I think that needs to be addressed. That needs to be changed. Because those opportunities are given by people's social status. You know, their dad or something is a member of a club or their mom has money and it works at a high prestigious law firm that sponsors that tournament. So it's really hard for blacks to get to infiltrate that circle. But if they really want diversity and that's really where I don't want to say that they're going to use diversity to get money, but there is money and success in having diverse ideas, having diverse backgrounds and looks to join together to to grow. So I think that needs to change. That is a part that really needs to change. But why is that important, though? What would you say to someone who would maybe think, who cares? What's the big deal if there are only two or three black guys playing on the PGA Tour? Right. What does that mean to the kids? Yeah. So the kids really look up to the stars in the game, the people that they see at the top level on the PGA Tour. So if they don't see black people on the PGA Tour or a lot of them, or there's a the few that they see is kind of the exception, they really don't think that they can attain it or, and they won't even try. But it's not even just about them being professional athletes, right? It's about them having opportunities in life because we've talked about this before. Golf opens doors. Exactly. So if you see people that look like you playing this game at a high level, it might encourage you to try it. It might encourage you to get out there and be more bold in making new connections and breaking down barriers to get into the game of golf, which again, in turn, allows you to have more access. Exactly. A lot more access. And, you know, golf's so much different than any other sport. You you build relationships and you talk to people while you play in them. So I tell kids all the time that in golf, it's going to help whatever your career field is. If you can go with your boss on the weekend and play golf with them and build a relationship, talk to him about his family, build the find things that you have in common, and you come back to work on Monday and you all are still talking to have a great relationship, that's only going to enhance your career pretty much. And those opportunities, I've seen millions of dollars being dealt between two companies on the golf course before. Golf is definitely a tool that people use to enhance their career, make business decisions, make business moves. And unfortunately, Blacks just aren't getting the opportunity to see that that's a route for them or possible for them or that they even want it in that circle. So I want to transition a little bit to a different topic. How do you date on the road? What's it like to (laughs) be a single, good-looking young man out there in this crazy world? Yeah, it's a crazy world. I'm ready to get out of the single game, the dating game. Holla, ladies. Right. (laughs) So this might deter you from calling, but when I'm out, I do swipe on Tinder. And it's not even more so the... Like a hookup app, I mean, I guess it is, but you can get whatever you want from them. We just talked about this last week. (laughs) Right. I mean, you can get what you want from Tinder. So, I mean, yeah, people do go on there to hook up. But when I'm traveling by myself and just bored in the hotel room after playing golf, it's fun to have someone like show me a local restaurant, just take me to nice, cool spots and let me be a tourist with them or they'll be my tour guide. And you meet just great friends. Some I've thought might have turned into something more serious, but didn't work out. I'm still swiping and single. So you can give me a call if you want. 
But that's what's happening. That's where I'm at right now. Sadly, almost 30 still swiping on Tinder. Don't sound so sad. Let's <laughs> let's, let's <laughs> I know you're bitter right now. <laughs> right. So what's it like to be on the road? Obviously, you talked about using Tinder, but right. do you get to meet cool people? Yeah, you get to meet a lot of cool people. I Like I said, I mainly use Tinder because I just don't know where to go. I'm always nervous. Me being from St. Louis, too, you know from being there, there are certain places you can and can't go. And when I travel, I don't want to mess up from not knowing where I can't go. So I like to meet people and just say, hey, is there a nice place here um, that I can go or something like that? But you do get an opportunity to build great relationships and friendships um, just traveling around. What about Bumble? You don't like Bumble? I need to get back on Bumble. You're right. Thanks for bringing that up. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I shouldn't be selling for Bumble. <laughs> right. The amount of clients I have brought to them is ridiculous. Okay, so what else do you do to keep you occupied on the road when you're not playing golf? No, that that keeps it pretty busy there. I'll, you know, I'm on the road, traveling, being a tourist, swiping on Tinder, meeting friends that kind of go out and show me around. But I'm always kind of stuck on the golf course right now. It's just they take up about seven to eight hours of your day. And after that time, you're kind of tired and just want to relax and get ready and try to stay focused and get ready for the next day. If you weren't pursuing your dream of being on the PGA Tour as a professional golfer, what would you be doing? I don't know, but I do know whatever I'll be doing, I'm almost 100% sure I'll be successful. I feel like it'd be so easy right now for me to quit and may have a really, really good career in something else. And that's one of the thoughts that I have to fight as well. Like, why are you doing this? You can quit this, make a really, really good living doing something else that's easier. And I have to fight that. That's not my vision, not where I want to go, not just to be comfortable and have a pretty decent lifestyle Like, and only influencing a certain amount of people. My vision is 10 times that, and I think it's just going to be worth it. So. I'm not sure what, though. Maybe teaching. Something with kids, since I love dealing with kids. I, I mean, I, every time I'm at a tournament, I'm talking to kids. I'm giving them lessons, sharing them things that I've learned along the way. So something that impacts kids. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned during your time as a professional golfer? Perseverance is huge. I have to keep coming back to it because it translates and continues on, even with perseverance, not quitting, two major things that are pretty much a necessity for success. I've learned that through golf. Um, over the time, seven years or so, it's been a lot of opportunities to, work, to just quit. It's been a lot of moments where you just cry. And I'm not even a crier, so I remember the two times that I've actually cried um, because of golf. But you have to keep going. And, you know, usually every time something like that happens, something good follows. So uh, there's a saying that greatness is on the brink of destruction. And... I feel like that's something that I've learned. Once you think that everything is just bad and you're on the brink of destruction, if you can go just a little bit more, keep going, just keep putting one foot in front of the next, and anything that you do, something huge is going to happen next. And that's the mindset that you have to have. Just keep going. Just keep going. So do you feel like you embody perseverance? Without a doubt. I mean, that's just been my career. Seven years of doing this. I've gotten close to the PGA Tour gotten better overall, I believe. It's been a journey of two steps forward, one step back, one obstacle here, one setback here, and one little speed burst here or anything. It's just been a crazy whirlwind of just emotions and physical capabilities throughout the seven years. For me to still be doing it, 
is almost crazy when you think of it. What is missing? What do you think is the key to your success? You just have to keep going. I, I don't think there's anything missing. Everything's really good. I just need to take advantage of certain opportunities and just have a little bit of luck. And that goes as far as, you know, playing well at the right time, meeting the right person at the right time that will sponsor you. Because once you get that sponsor, it takes off a lot of stress. It's really tough to play and free yourself up when you're having stress. So, I mean, I've had a couple opportunities where I was thought I was lucky to have a good sponsor. It didn't really work out the way I wanted to. But the little... The few tournaments that I had where I thought that I was free to go and not really worried about how I was going to pay bills and just able to completely concentrate on golf, that felt really great. So <laughs> that's really huge. What advice would you give to someone trying to pursue their dream? The advice that I give them to be successful and chase their dream is that you have to be disciplined no matter what. And I think that goes back to what we're saying about holding the vision, no matter kind of what you're going through. There's a Bible verse in Joshua, and I got to get biblical here. I'm Christian heaven, so sorry, everyone. And this is about perseverance. So it's a story of, you know, the walls of Jericho. And the story goes that God told them to walk around the wall one time for six days and then seven times on the seventh day. And the story says that they shouted after they, they completed the task and the great wall that never has been conquered fell. But the interesting thing about this story that I found is that it wasn't as if they were walking around the wall and as they were walking, bricks will crumble or the wall will crack or part of the wall will fall. They walked around the wall and saw no results. And I don't think that would happen today. Like we're living in such a time where they instant gratification. They got to see things work out now and talk to somebody. You FaceTime them now. You want to show this picture. You put it on Instagram right now instant gratification. But these people had to walk around six days and see no results. And I just don't think people can do that now. And they just trusted. They just had faith in a higher power. They had the faith in the in the Bible and God. They had perseverance. And they had perseverance. I'm sure some of them had bunions and corns and some stub their toe <laughs> on the rock or the flu. I don't know. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't the easiest stroll around the park every day for them. And they were still able to do this without results. So, you know, they were disciplined to what their goal was and the vision was. And you're just going to have to do that in life. You're going to have to be disciplined to the goal, the vision, and step in it every day, even if you don't see results, even if you're going through pain, even if the sandal is broken, you got to walk on rocks around the wall, uh, like in the Bible or something. You just have to keep going. What's the most difficult thing you've ever had to persevere through? I guess I want to stick to the, the recency effect. So the most recent one is, like I talked about, my grandfather introducing me to the game of golf and me sharing this golf moment with him all the time. So my grandfather recently passed, and I think I'm, I've been struggling with that, dealing with him passing, not being able to call him after the tournament or talk to him at all or share, you know, Tiger Woods being in our hometown for the PGA Championship not too long ago. Those moments I'm mentally struggling with. I've never dealt with that before. And I honestly listened to your podcast where you talked about therapy a couple of weeks ago. That's episode 109. Episode 109. Please listen to it. And uh, You know, listening to that podcast, it really was a call. I felt like it was talking to me that I needed to go to therapy to talk about that, to fight through that mental battle, dealing with 
life in golf without the man that's brought the game to me, like brought me into the game. So right now I'm that pretty fresh into that. That's really tough. I feel like I mean every time I'm on the golf course, can't help but to think about him or see him or just think about the lessons that he's taught you on the golf course. So that's me right now. You know, that's my, my mental battle right now. That's the only one I can really think of that's my toughest. Well, you shall get through it, like right. everything else <laughs> that you have so far. I think you're a very good example of perseverance, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about this. Well, I'm glad that you're, you're saying that. I like to hear things like that because I, I try to show that and be honest about my journey and show the perseverance that it's not all that easy. With golf, I think kids will get deterred from golf when they see that they can't be like Tiger Woods because they're not successful from four years old or not breaking 70 at the age of 10 or winning U.S. junior amateurs at the age of 13 or 14 on to being a great collegiate player and winning on tour at like 19 or 20. Once you're past those milestones and you see that, all right, well, I can't be Tiger Woods now. I hope there's a moment where they can say, well, shoot, Christian was here. He was broke. His parents didn't really agree with what he was doing. He, he just struggled, you know, went from couch to couch. That's what I'm doing. And Christian's on the PJ Tour being successful. So what did he do? What was his mindset? How did he keep going? Let me walk down Christian's footsteps and follow him to the PJ Tour. Last question for you. How do you define success? I think success is something you don't really obtain physically. Physically, I think there's never enough. You want to win, you win one tournament, you're like, oh, you're hungry to win more. You make this much money, you're hungry to get more money. I think physically it's just a, it's a process more so. But mentally and spiritually, success is just kind of peace with who you are, peace with what you've done. You don't have any regrets. You did everything in the moment to better yourself, and you're just happy with the decisions that you've made. I think that's true success and true happiness when you can look around, go to sleep at night with total peace with yourself. This month, we're launching the Diferente Shop, where people can support a nonprofit community organization while rocking some Diferente merchandise. And our first partnership will be with Camp Good Life. Allow me to introduce a very special friend of mine, JT Davis, founder of Camp Good Life. So JT, what is the mission of Camp Good Life? So Camp Good Life is a media and technology summer camp for kids between the ages of 12 to 17. And we target kids that are underserved and underrepresented. We take them out of the community, put them at a camp facility, and teach them how to take an idea from concept to completion. I'm a television producer. I understand how important it is to tell stories. And I want these children to have access to tell their own stories and to have access to the entertainment industry. And this camp takes place in the outskirts of Maryland, D.C. area. Is that correct? Why a camp? Why not stay in the city? Well, I, when I worked on a mayoral campaign here in D.C., I worked with kids uh, between the ages of like 16 to 22, and they had never been to some of the more beautiful parts of D.C. that were really serene. And when I took them there, they just like they sort of opened up and blossomed. And I really saw the difference between their behavior being in the city and being in a serene environment. And so I thought that if I'm targeting this population of children, I want to set them up for success. And I thought that taking them out to a very serene environment where they had the opportunity to just be kids and hike and kayak and do a zip line and nature walks and a bonfire, that they would just open up and blossom. And I have to tell you, 
Last year, they did. What can people do to help the Camp Good Life mission? Camp Good Life needs community support. And we need that in a couple ways. The first way is we love to embrace Camp Good Life ambassadors, people that hear about the camp, they want to put the mission on their back and take it to their friends and their family and essentially be force multipliers in the community for us by sharing the message of what we're doing. The second thing is that this camp is free of charge. And so we are raising money. We are looking for partnerships. We're looking for corporate sponsors. And if you would like to donate to Camp Good Life, go to campgoodlife.org and click on the pink pig. I've realized over the years that to live a full life is to make a positive impact in the lives of others. And that's what Living Diferente is all about, which is why for the entire month of August, we will be donating the net proceeds from every t-shirt and mug we sell to help sponsor kids attending Camp Good Life. Head to our website, adifferentelife.com, to join us in supporting this impactful community organization. Thank you for listening to Diferente. If you liked this episode, let me know by leaving a five-star review and by sharing a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Just don't forget to tag me at Adiferente Life so I can know you're listening. Hasta pronto.